culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. And I'm Keith Coogan. Woo! Yes. Woo! Keith Coogan is our it's guest true, today. It's true, y'all. Uh, very exciting. Um, Cole is turning all shades of crimson right now. <laughs> crimson? That's how you would describe it? I think so. Or maybe just baby, baby pink. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> baby, baby pink. That's how I'm turning really pink. everybody's so cute. Uh, Keith Coogan, you may know from films such as Adventures in Babysitting, uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Hiding out, toy, toy soldiers, soldiers, which are all favorite movies. Of the Waltons, yes, oh. yes, lots of. I mean, that's not work. a film, but hello, what an experience! I'm sure. I hope was it. I love the Waltons. Okay, Waltons great. was great. Oh yeah, twenty something episodes of the Waltons. So kid, I was such a brat on the show too. I got to burn the barn and oh, kill the dog boy. and like run over the, yeah, and smoke club. and lie and, and just, wear cute awful. little trousers. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was cute. I got hand me downs from all the other kids. So, Aww. Uh, so now you, pro- you never got experience. to say goodnight to John Boy, though. That- no, John Boy was uh, made over <laughs> as another actor. Richard Thomas was gone. They didn't bring him back. We, we lost the mom halfway through the season. Ellen Corby was still around and kicking the God bless her. <laughs> and they kept feeding her more like she's getting her mouth back, you know, after the stroke. And uh, Grandpa had just died. One of my first episodes was a, was a memorial at the Ooh. grave for Grandpa, for Will Gear. And in. um it was it was great fun. We had uh, we had a ball. That was, is so. Cool. I became the youngest kid on the Waltons for a year. Ooh, I love like it. Elizabeth was in college, you know, the redhead. Or yeah. Whatever, so there was they needed some young. They fresh needed blood. some cuteness. Yeah. We did <laughs> not pull them the out cuteness. of their ratings dive, and they were canceled the next year. So. <laughs> Happy ending. <laughs> Welcome Welcome to read, Hollywood. I read something about like when the Waltons came out, like no one thought it was going to be successful. It was up against the Mod Squad and other stuff like that, and they were saying that like, oh, the 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 country shows don't really work anymore. They cancel Green A. Acres, uh, something else. Petty Coat Junction. And, and they're doing pretty. Maybe they're, they're they're doing well in the ratings, but the network was like, no, no, they're this isn't going to work anymore. So they canceled those early, and no one thought mm. the Walton's was going to do well. And it was so earnest. Surprise. It was so yeah. serious about itself, and it and it <sighs> you know, rarely even had much humor. It had a lot of um, you know family joys and ups and downs, but I the show was not show. very gimmicky or anything. It was all about you know them, and you know it really is time for another Walton's. Yeah. What you have now is a family scattered throughout. They bought real estate and everything and now oh the economic crisis I can't my home I oh you're, mm-hmm. you're 42 years old and you have kids too and you gotta move back in with mom now yeah. all of a sudden extended families may be moving under one roof again mm-hmm. and there's time for another Waltons Ooh, Waltons could be Reaper. about time yeah if not Waltons maybe a show <laughs> where there's like Uh-oh. a dumpy blue collar guy with the hot wife oh, and they don't get along I've never seen that, that <laughs> and they've adopted nine kids they have, they have. <laughs> <laughs> a wife who weighs 110 pounds has a fiery John temper. John Kate plus John Boy. Right. That's a gross <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome, though, basically, to take the Waltons but substituting Kate Goslin as the mom and just oh, see how no. downhill that goes. You know, That is a fast spiral. I have a feeling that ship is... Oh, did you get a haircut? Oh, wow. No, Mommy got a weave. Shut up. Mommy needs a close-up. Go out to the barn. Do I have a Coogan account? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, and what's your hey, last name? Hey, Coogan. Right. That's right, because yeah. Jackie Coogan was your there. grandfather. Sir Jackie, no, he's not a sir. But yes, Jackie Coogan was been. my grandfather, and he did uh, have the child labor 
law named after him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to protect kids to this, to this day. They were talking about it in Babies, the feature film, how these kids, you know, uh, needed to have a Coogan account. They yeah. didn't, didn't when they shot it. They didn't have social workers. And they're like, they're not even born yet, or they're just out of the womb. Or they're, and they're, yeah, you need to, you know, it's a, it's a labor law. Right. So uh, it protects kids. It protects, you know, I got an email from um, Shavar Ross hmm. uh, from Cosby Show. And he wow. goes, thanks. Because oh I wouldn't gosh. have had anything unless there was the Coogan Act. That is so nice. That's awesome. I think I was shout out to Shabar. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's what's up. If you want to come on the podcast, you're welcome. Anytime. Um, I think that your past is so interesting because you come from a family. I mean, not many people can decide that they want to be actors and have their parents take them seriously. And from what I've read, uh, that that wasn't an issue with you. Like you voiced it. It was quickly snapped up, and yeah. you know, my my mom absolutely saw the opportunity and yeah. said, "Sure, he's you know he can read and he's bright yeah. and he pays attention and can hit his mark." And that's really what as a kid you get to do is right. jump and shout, yeah. jump into the scene, shout your line, and go home, right? And uh, <laughs> and stay out of trouble. Yeah, you know, go to school and be quiet. And uh, my grandfather always told, told me that he's like, "Be seen and not heard," mm-hmm. and if you. Really Really have something to say because sometimes kids do see something yeah. that the adults aren't paying attention to, right. and the kid can go, "Oh, maybe you should, you know, yeah. do that or whatever." She so told me to really save it until yeah. you had something really good to say, and then say it loud and clear and let everyone hear ah. you. And you know, when I've heeded that advice, I've done well. That's so awesome. Excellent. Especially when, like, when kids are on set, they only have them for like a couple hours. Mere right? hours depends yeah. on their age. Anywhere from right. one hour on set for infants to. Wow. Three to four hours for for the for younger kids, and then up to eight hours a day for minors under sixteen. If they have a high school education, they can kind of work as an adult. I did. I had uh, gotten my high school education at sixteen. Whoa! Ran off to do adventures of babysitting with no parental supervision. Oh my god! In gosh. Canada and no uh, set teacher. So Anthony Rapp, Maya Bruton, they had to have a set teacher, and I'm. Were you, you know, wild? I got more close ups. No, <laughs> That is so fun. Just able to work us. And while we were shooting Adventures in Babysitting, the trial for the Twilight Zone and the John Landis oh, as a defendant. That's right. Yeah, that was going on, and there was no working past midnight for Maya Bruton. They're like, it ain't happening. Oh my god. So we got a little girl in Toronto as a body double. We all had doubles. Yeah. But we used the little girl quite a lot. Oh. Um, and anytime you don't see Sarah's face mm-hmm. in Adventures in Babysitting, that's the double. And she would even do her lines. With a great Canadian accent. Look, they're after us. Oh, no. Really <laughs> Thor, mighty god of thundery. It's really great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that movie is like one of my all-time favorites. I think it's, it's, it really it holds up, which is one of the most important things. A lot of those movies from that era don't necessarily, but that one I feel just really does in a lot of ways. A cell phone could have changed the plot immensely. It really could have. <laughs> uh, but she forgot her purse anyway. She did. So her cell phone would have been in her purse. Right. movie doesn't change. Yeah. You know, I was watching a lot of like 80s movies. Toy Soldiers was another one where the cell yeah. phone could have really changed Really could have changed yeah. Shut the power on the phone off to the school, but you know, the yeah. bad guy could be like, my father's been killed and know about this. Right. And so the cell phone, yeah, has changed the way that movies, and they've addressed that in a lot of movies. Yeah, I found that like I, I remember I was watching the um, when I was watching Buffy the box, I like started going through the seasons, and uh, in the first season especially, like later on, they started to get cell phones towards the end of the series, but. Almost every single one of those episodes is like, they do the Scooby Gang thing of like, all right, you two go here, we'll go here. <laughs> two of us are going to get into trouble, the other two aren't, and if we could have just picked up the phone to call you guys, you could have come and bailed us yeah. out, but you can't, so it's, it's the device every single right. episode. A lot of that writing is keeping, you know, in a lot of stories, we have a lot of characters and they have to converge in the third act, yeah. you'll see really cheesy 80s things like, it's the dance, or it's the karate contest, right. or the surf <laughs> thing, or whatever, What's and so the there's always event? a device yeah. to bring everybody, and Neil Simon, it's dinner at the table yep. at the beginning of act two of Brighton Beach Memoirs, yep. um, and so now there's a cheat. 
I just text message everybody and they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. So now you have Gossip Girl and shows like that that, that talk about that and talk yeah. about Facebooking. And, and shout out all the There is, a, yeah. I don't know if I'm breaking protocol, but LOL is coming out with, uh, with some pretty big stars. Um, what is that? LOL is going to be about a mother and a daughter mm-hmm. and about uh, she friends her mother on Facebook. And it's going to be an A-list movie wow. that is going to address social networks and kids and what, you know, and she reads her daughter's online diary and it's... Mm-mm. Not okay. Well, maybe taken out of context. <laughs> that looks interesting. I, I want to see. I like. I like when they address that stuff because kids are rapidly growing up uh, much faster. I mean, I had a um, you know fourteen hundred baud modem, and I could barely get a text bulletin board at sixteen years old. And there's no pictures. There's yeah. no videos. There's no you know stuff. You type in water sports, you're getting water polo. polo. Yeah, yeah. Right. So and that was a big thing on Oprah. They said one word. She goes, think about it. One word. The kid innocently might type in, and he's or she is going to see some stuff. That yeah. They had. No, filter or not, you're going to see yeah. it on Yahoo or Google. So that uh, kids today grow up. They're getting wired with faster cuts in movies. MTV, you know, we mm-hmm. were raised on that. Natural Born Killers was like, wow, look at all those cuts. Now you watch Natural Born Killers and it's like, slow. Wow, they're just, <laughs> wow, you're really lingering. That was a two and a half second shot. Where's the well, I think it's just crazy now is all of our attention spans are just getting worse and worse and worse Ooh. and worse and worse. And I can't imagine what the next generations are going to be like because even now I find that, like, I'll sit, my wife and I tape so many shows and we'll sit there watching it. And if it gets a little slow, like, all of a sudden we're both looking down at our phones, checking emails well, while we're watching yeah. stuff. It's like that whole weird multitasking thing of, like... It's gotten huge, especially because you can watch TV on your computer now. So, like, I do that to catch up with shows I'm only mediocre on. I have them playing on the computer while I'm working. Like, sure. and, and you know what? You, you, you see, oh, they look great. Okay, I see what they're wearing. You put that in your hair. Listen to the yeah. audio. You're yeah. hearing your story in the background. It is mm-hmm. honestly something that you do do when you're on your computer. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Have double screens and this going? We're going to see picture-in-picture stuff and, mm-hmm. right. and TVs that you know sink into the internet a lot more. You're going to find yourself, the convergence is really happening. Oof. That's why I find I watch The Celebrity Apprentices in the background while I'm doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> you just admitted you watch Celebrity I do, I do. I love it. It's terrible. Cindy Lapa, we love you. Oh, she has been sassy. Oh, okay, so it just came out that I watch it too. <laughs> Only a she few times. was sassy. She's off of it now? Yeah. Spoiler. Oh, man. Oh. The last one I saw was... That was this past week. Okay, I saw like two weeks ago, but it was Brett Michaels. It was... After, like in real time, he was in the hospital, but he was still on the show. You know what I mean? Like there was an overlap of like backlogged material, I guess, or whatever. Well, it, they shot this a while back. Yeah. So all like his health problems. But he's supposed after. to be coming back for the finale because I guess they shoot that. What is the deal? Oh, I don't know if, if, if they've shot the finale or not yet. Maybe yeah, they that's the thing. But basically, I like, um, I mean, personally, I feel like Trump is getting like crazier and dumber and weirder as the show goes on <laughs> like like I, I mean I, early on the whole thing was like i've got business sense yeah and then like when you come into the boardroom i'll say like well this is why you should have done this, this is why you've done that now it's stuff like you should have wore a bandana if you're a rock star wear a bandana <laughs> like it's just what are you talking about donald i have an honest opinion about the celebrity apprentice versus regular apprentice mm-hmm. is that the celebrity apprentice is all about the networking and the um fundraising yeah. yeah. Always. It's about the fundraising. Initially, the first Celebrity Apprentice, they had a few things that weren't. 
here's a hot dog stand. They still snuck somebody in to get a $5,000 hot dog. Right, and they right. sort of, oh, well, we'll really, we'll really take advantage of this. And it, and it really, I mean, if you're a friend of, with one of these people that's on a print, you're like, oh, God, no, please don't call me. Don't and, you know, it, every yeah. week it's like another, you need another 10 grand off. Oh, <laughs> and I'm sure it's a great write-off for everybody. But the, it really lost the challenge of are you a business person or are you a leader? It's like who yeah. it's you just, plugged you know, into. Who, who comes in with yeah. the phone? And Sharon Osborne's ran, you know, tours and, yeah. and stuff like that. She's got connections to a million Brett Mike. So it's really mm-hmm. skewed there in a weird way. Cindy Lauper and uh, um, uh, Holly Robinson Peake are inside of the industry and have sat in a recording booth so many times. When it came to that one, it was great to see them have their conflict. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was kind of a fun show. Uh, uh, the celebrity part, though, is definitely different. I like The yeah. Real Apprentice. The Real Apprentice had um, more gems dropped by Trump. Every yeah, week, it there would be a, was about you know, this was about, you know, staying on top of your research, or right. this was about knowing your client, or this, you know, he'd always have some gem that you could really take to the bank right. as a business owner. And now it's just like... Well, they're, they're doing another Real Apprentice season. That's what's coming next. Excellent. Thank God. But uh, I also find, too, the celebrity one, too, like, the level of your celebrity matters, too. And I guess to the point where, like, you can tell he's just firing somebody, if, like, for some total bullshit reason, because he just wants to keep the bigger celebrities on. Right. And it's like, oh, you're a volleyball player once. Sorry, you're out. <laughs> like, that's kind of how it goes. Close like, up on a rock star. Like, he did not want to fire Gene Simmons this season that he fired Gene Simmons. Mm. He gave him so many outs. Yeah. But he wouldn't take him because, like, no, my product was better. It was a better product. <laughs> uh, Kodak is crazy. Like, he just kept doing that. And Donald was just like... Literally, like, you see me, I'm like, if you just say this one thing, I will not <laughs> Please, fire you. let me keep you Do you on watch the, show? the Gene Simmons Family Jewels show? I've seen it once or twice. Great yeah. show. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, really a fun, fun show. show. That's yeah. a great show. Yeah, he's very, his kids are great, uh, very wise, way, well beyond their years, got their head together. And, the, you know, the father's an egomaniac, but he um, has a business, and he yeah. makes money at it, and he's very clear about that, and he's just a huge penny pincher. He's like, oh, you could take it with you. You could stuff the carcass with gold bars <laughs> and the money notes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're taking it with you. I, I saw him over at um, the Century City Plaza over by where I live, like, walking around. And, like, you, Gene Simmons is one of those people that, like, if he's, like, 100 feet away from you, you're like, there's Gene Simmons. Because yeah. he just has that hair that, like, I saw him from him and I was like, that's totally, that's got to be Gene Simmons. And then I get close to him, I was like, yeah, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene, totally Gene Simmons. Wearing the dark sunglasses late at night, you know, walking very slowly. But Such a look. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, is, like, I see people, like, celebrities walking around there all the time. Like, John Voight was there the other yeah. day, things like that. And, like, you just, you're just you just used to it in L.A. Like, you're, it's just fine. But there's certain celebrities, sometimes you see that you're like, I was not ready to see you. Like, <laughs> was not ready to be eating dinner. And I look over, and I see Gary Oldman walking towards me. Oh, my gosh, that's Gary Oldman. I went through the roof. I was like, that's my girlfriend. I'm like, that's Gary Oldman. And that's, she's like, wow, that's really cool. And I see that he's talking to somebody with, like, a man bob. Like kind of a dark-haired man bob, and I can't really tell who it is. And I'm like, you know, you know, who is that? I, I can't really tell. And um, Gary Oldman goes and feeds a meter or something like that. And I look over; it's Jim Carrey. <gasps> Gary Oldman and Jim Carrey having lunch together. What? Yeah. And TMZ came by later, and they oh, caught Jim gosh. Carrey, but they didn't know that Gary Oldman was there earlier. He'd left. Well, I want to so, go back to the man bob. Yeah. When was this? He, this Jim was Carrey just have... two weeks ago. He has a man bob. He has right a man now. bob. Yeah. Maybe it's the breakup. You know, he has the greatest celebrity website on the internet. He makes a lot of emoticons. It's uh, he does, and references to Boeing. I don't yeah, know what yeah, that? his Twitter feed is kind the, of insane. There's <laughs> kind of Boeing creepy. Thing and going the, on. You know, like <laughs> he's like not picked up on the way other people are doing emoticons. So all of his still have the carrot nose. 
So it's like, they look a little, like, impish yeah. and sneaky. It's weird as, like, certain celebrities' Twitter feeds that, like, just, just are really surprising. Like, you expect Jim Carrey maybe to be a little warped or whatever, but every single tweet is, like, in caps about Boeing. Like, every single one with a weird emoticon afterwards. And, like, John Cusack early on, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. His uh-huh. thing but... used to be Shaco Zulu was his yeah. screen name for the longest mm-hmm. time. And everything was, like, a weird misspelled political rant. Like, in, in like, ten different pieces. And you're just like, but you're Lloyd Dobler! This is, what? No! Who are you? No. And you can find see, like, the answers in tape heads. Yeah. You can always find what John Cusack's up to. Just go back to tape heads. It's got it all in there. But yeah, but speaking of people you're never ready to see, I think I might have mentioned this on another podcast because um, I mentioned him a lot for some strange reason. Uh, I was walking and I Eddie turned Deason. the yeah I turned the corner <laughs> and there was there was Eddie Deason nice. who you know has one of the most oh, yeah. recognizable Absolutely. mugs in all of cinema but you're just never ready to see Eddie Deason <laughs> like I literally my, I think I might have started giggling as no I, I one watch me drop this grapefruit exactly <laughs> <laughs> 41 is really a great film and, yeah uh, it's really underrated a lot of people call it this misfire but I think it's very yeah. funny yeah, yeah you can watch it it's very enjoyable very fun <laughs> well one of my favorite all-time movies growing up, which is not a great movie. Eddie Deason's in it. It's called Midnight Madness. I was watching Midnight Madness on, I think it was on Hulu. Really? Yeah. 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 I'm actually working, I do these um, really stupid um, all acapella vocal covers of, of things. I did it for uh, Dancing in Heaven from Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. I did one for Cry Little Sister from Do you have Lost a date Boys. night coming up? Download Yeah, this. they're really, they're stupid. It's mostly <laughs> because I can't play actual instruments, so I just layer the vocals. But I'm actually literally right now working on the Midnight Madness theme. <laughs> so that will be oh, coming soon. Busy man. Yeah. Busy Really, man. really important stuff going on in my life. I was just loving how Slim Pickens in uh, 1941 is exactly the same as he is in Doctor Strange. He really is yeah. exactly the I mean, same. Nobody told him. No. It's great. <laughs> There's certain people that kind of are like almost always the same. Like Arlie Ermy is like pretty much always. Arlie Ermy, I got great pleasure to, to to meet that man. He was our technical advisor and in Toy Soldiers. He's in and Toy Soldiers, I right? love. It was great. I just done uh, Adventures of Babysitting and Thor uh, was in uh, Full Metal Jacket as well. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, right. and uh, so I got a little double. Uh, you know, I'm inching closer to Stanley Kubrick. If you're out there, <laughs> I'm coming one at a time. <laughs> um, and uh, Arlie Ermy is just. You know, the typical, it was like, you either get Dale A. Die or Arlie Ermey. Yeah, totally. And uh, he's, um, he's got a trigger finger thingy where he had an injury. And so he goes to shake your hand, and it's how you doing. And it literally sticks out like oh, a weird. bad sophomore oh, prank. Weird. Yeah, but I wish like, this was a video like, podcast. Respect. <laughs> absolute respect for this guy. Yeah, he's amazing. But like he's he's not going to ever be cast as anything else. You know what I mean? Nope. Like, that's, that's what he does. That's, that's his thing. Yeah. Hone in on it. That is very he easy. has honed in on it, I guess. There's not much more honing to be done. It's true. I love Toy Soldiers. I, I think I saw it like twice in the theater when it came out. Whoa. I thought it was really fun. Would never, ever be made or considered to be made today. Nope. They would, would never put children in jeopardy or a terrorist situation, yeah. a hostage situation. Let's blow up this school with mm-hmm. senators and congressmen's mm-hmm. kids in the school. That story was so, you know, it was 10 years before uh, 9-11. Yeah. yeah, and it shows. There's just there's no way they're going to approach that again. Yeah, right. But I never felt you guys were truly in danger because you had Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> on your side. So you know, <laughs> and it, you know, he was Lugasa. so reasonable too. He really He's, was. He just he would talk to them, and I I, I love the interactions between him and Andrew Devoff. They're just fantastic. There's an iconic moment after they've. Um, done away with one of the kids and he's like, wow, you know, you've really done it this time because they, they're going to find you. They're going to hunt you down and they're going to kill you. And Andrew Divoff goes, you Americans always say that, but you never actually do it. Do you? 
Well, we have changed as a country. We do do it. We do do rendition. We do put hoods on people, take them out of the country and stick things in them. This is really scary. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But we've covered this in movies too. We now have movies and Green Zone and this and, you know, we're yep. covering these things. Um, it's just, it's a totally different country. Yeah. Not to get serious there, but and we see. You no, know, I, I have fun with movies like Eagle Eye, and uh, it's really fun to see, um, like in Transformers and stuff, how they involve the military in movies. And now, Toy Soldiers was absolutely a military production. Our producer shaved his head into a jar head and went and met with the military, showed serious? him the script. They said we have some changes. And they changed the end of Toy Soldiers to how they invade the school. They're like, well, we're coming in with Blackhawks, and we're just coming out of the thing. We're going in this Weird. window. We're flashbanging this. We're... And they said, we, if we orchestrate and choreograph the end thing, you get everything. All the helicopters, all the Humvees, oh. all this stuff. And for a producer, is Mark Berg, uh, Island Pictures. And he said, you know, we will do it however you want to do it. So the military wrote the end of Toy Soldiers. That is that's really crazy. weird. Not, I not uncommon. Know that that stuff yeah, not uncommon. They will always come in and go, you know what? We either want to change this because this really? is actually how we do an op. And we don't want people to know how we do an op. Oh, it's psychological, okay. you know. Or, you know, we really want to show off and show off this piece of equipment or technology. Right. My mind you know, is it's being like, Brody, right down in, in Iron Man 2. It's like, whoa. <laughs> they give there machines for movies sometimes? Like, Always. If you what? now if you're Galen Hurd and you're doing um Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. you and the script is not approved by the military, you get nothing. Right. So she got nothing. All of that equipment and everything was supplied by the production. They found it, they repainted it, they redid wow. it. So they got no support for the military whatsoever. That's a great picture. And yeah. if you really look at it, you go, it really is an illusion, mm-hmm. great use of, like in Black Hawk Down and um, uh, some other movies with, uh, um, you know, action in the Middle East and stuff, um, there'll be, uh, uh, you can kind of tell whether it is a set or not. Um, what was the one? The Kingdom. Oh, the set piece, the action piece at the end of the kingdom is just fantastic. And um, you can also tell, you know, oh, this is a, this is somewhere in the States or something. They've dressed right. this up to look yeah. like a Middle East street. Um, and so in the Hurt Locker, it's, 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 it's kind of barren and they use very little stuff to suggest. It's just this open canvas and you really focus on the performance. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, that movie was absolutely uh, spellbinding. <sighs> yeah, Hurt Locker was fantastic. Just shake that movie off. Uh, kind of. I mean... I was so tense. Like, I, coming out of the theater, I was stressed out. Yeah, I mean, we've you seen know? films that, like, celebrate jumping out of airplanes yeah. or being a daredevil or surfing or scuba dive or something dangerous. But this is something that, you know, aside from any political thing, which we're not going to talk right. about here, um, is... It's a rush, and that's what's yeah. really pop culture about it. Yeah. And so it's not racing cars mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Letty, hey. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I love um, Fast and the Furious, too. I love the last, <laughs> the last one, too. It's great for what it is. I really enjoy yeah. big It doesn't try movies. to pretend it's something other. No, go no. watch like, Last Action Hero again. And you really get it because a lot of movies are like that these days. They're yep. really over the top, and you just your willing suspension disbelief is, you know, you really go even further. Yeah. Um. You know, with the effects and stuff, you are put being put in places that you've never been put before. We've really had imagination to do that. Now you're really showing it, and you're in the arms of the pterodactyl or the you know velociraptor mm-hmm. or the T Rex or whatever's coming. The dragons uh, in uh, Avatar. Um, Avatar was a was a good one. I, I fell for that with the blue people. And then, I haven't heard of it. Uh, yeah, well, there was the people, this scene. They, USB they were like talking to a, a dragon, and he was like getting on this thing, and I was like, "That's a really good effect because 
you know, they mixed the fake dragon with the real blue guy. I'm like, oh, they got me. They got me. And I totally <laughs> fell for, you know, the other world. And yeah. all, all movies are like that. Yeah. All movies right. are fake and they're creating this world that you go and you have fun in. Did you um, see How to Train picture. Your Dragon? I did not see How oh to Train Your gosh. Dragon. Oh my gosh. And I've heard good things. I I'm might have talked it. about this before. I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast. It's amazing. It is so good. I didn't, I didn't like any of the trailers. The trailers aren't very good for it. No. But then I heard it's like got like a 98% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Thing, I mean, it's crazy it is like, high. It is as good as Up, I think. Um, and, I, I really like that movie, so that's why I'm making the comparison. <laughs> it's as good as Up, which I thought was mediocre. No, it's, it's as good really... as Cats Don't Dance, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of DreamWorks animation um, or joke style, either, but yeah. it was great. And it's the same thing, that there are just moments where it pulls you into that world. Like, it's so well done, and it's so, ooh, just exciting. Yeah, I heard that the, the flying sequences, especially in oh, 3D, are just, like, magnificent. So fun, and it's just so magical. And it made me want to have a baby so <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So uh, don't take your ladies there unless you want to get her impregnated. Um, I really tried to get pregnant that night. <laughs> I haven't seen them. How to Train Your Dragon, but you have seen Iron Man two. I have seen Iron Man two. Oh, As have I. Let's let's discuss this for a moment. I'm, just I've just it. read about it at this point. I loved Iron Man one so much. Um, so I'm just going to pretend that I know. Now I think. Keith and I are on slight different sides of this one. Like, uh-uh. I thought it was decent. I enjoyed it, but I did not think it was nearly as good as the first one. But that's just my opinion. Coogan um, versus Stratton. <laughs> we could be facing a second act, second movie situation yeah. where just like Matrix Reloaded, um, you're, you're talking about the kind of middle portion of an arc. Mm-hmm. And here, I really felt that the struggle, I thought the script was great. And there was a bit in, in that's in the head. You have to think about it. Um, someone was like, oh, is there too many bad guys? I'm like, no. There it's really, really clear. There's mm-hmm. Whiplash is the physical, the body bad guy. He comes in and threatens Iron Man physically. You have Justin Hammer, who is uh, his match intellectually. And then the heart struggle is inner, and it's his self. And so you have a balance of... Shit just of, deep. I know. You have a balance <laughs> of Iron Man and Tony Stark... Who's called Anthony? He's called Tony. He's called different things by different characters in it too, and right. that's addressing the mind, body, spirit trinity. So, and I know this is pretty heavy, but I'm if you go, excited. go watch Tropic Thunder again. There's some stuff in that too that's a little deeper. And yeah. That's about how we right, kind of pretend to be things. Yeah, sure, and 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 how how we all pretend to be something else. And Tropic Thunder mm-hmm. has many layers Lots of that. Of that yeah. um, anytime you're dealing with actors playing actors, it, there's a great chance for meta and mm-hmm. really stepping back and or looking actors at the having. Ego, like alter egos. Well, you know, there's a classic uh, uh, theater uh, tech, um, device, which is a show within a show, mm-hmm. a play within a play. And it's been going on since Shakespearean times. Yep. And there often will be a movie within the movie, mm-hmm. a radio play, a, st- a concert, something that gets to, you see artists that work as artists. Right. And now they've gone and they've made whole movies about this where you, you're you very consciously watching a play within a play, like Avatar. Mm-hmm. We're constantly watching another level. We're watching one actor who's playing a character, who's playing a cripple, who then goes and plays another level and plays the blue guy, the Na'vi. And now this Na'vi then controls a dragon through this connection. Mm -hmm. So you you have an actor portraying a character who's controlling an avatar, who's then controlling the dragon, who's fighting this machine, which is being controlled by a marine... And there are... You step back one more level, one more level, one more level, and it's about 
it's it's really a pure form of art and storytelling. It's about all of us. I know it's about all of us. <laughs> Actually that I think that's one of the reasons, honestly, why Last Action Hero didn't do very well is I think it was a little too meta for audiences when it came out. Honestly. It was. You have to um, <laughs> like the bad guy yep. and they really had no attempt to like or charm the bad guy. A little bit. I think that the the guy with the funny eye, yeah. he was a great bad Charles guy. Good. Yeah, he was he was absolutely fantastic. But then you have um Noonan playing uh the hatchet guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was you know, an over-the-top kind of... Now we have a movie called Hatchet. And they right. just take that and you go, gardening tool, guy with the, you know, overalls, <laughs> boom, I got a horror movie. I love horror genre, too. I love I love B-movies and horror genre. I love seeing it done A-picture style, too. I think that's really nice. Um, so back to Iron Man, too. Yeah, what's yes, your sure. rebuttal, Cole? Uh, you know, for me, I just felt like... Um, I, I could totally see that. Like, I feel like it definitely is a, the, the, the Empire Strikes Back middle chapter thing where, like, not a lot is resolved, a little bit is, you know, like, it, it wraps up enough. Mm-hmm. Um, right, it didn't seem to have any stakes because he hands her the company and then takes it back. Yeah. Was that a sign that he was depressive or suicidal or maybe facing his mortality? Was that a device so that he could step away from that? Um, you know, uh, and then come back to, it seemed like he was going to come back and take the company back again for whatever right. reason. Um, they could have delved into the weapons manufacturing, the Oppenheimer stuff that they talked about as a formation of Stark's character. They didn't talk about, I'm the destroyer of worlds. That's the one thing they could have confronted better in Iron Man 2. And I think they're going to get there because now they've lost the Mark II to the military. Right. Rhodey takes it. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to bring this back. Spoiler and so, uh, <laughs> and this is all, if you've read the comics, yeah. then you're absolutely not going to be spoiled. Um, so, and most people honestly aren't going to Iron Man because, for the... The plot. They're no. basically they're going because most people are going because oh, it's fun. There's special effects. There's good. Downey Jr. is off the chain. He's he's yeah. able to go out there and just kind of chew scenery. That's why most people are going. Or so, a young Miss Scarlett Johansson clad in a bodysuit. How did it look in real life? Right. I mean, in Scarlet Black stuff. Widow never to be mentioned in the movie. Yes, actually, as Black Widow, is. she has a few different aliases, which is funny. She has several names, just like Tony Stark has several names. That's right. Layer um, after layer. Layer after layer. <laughs> uh, Gwynny was great too. Uh, really cracked up the audience that yeah. I saw it with. Yeah, uh, she's great. She's just charming, and their timing is is absolutely impeccable together. Um, I thought that Sam Rockwell, who's who's a fantastic actor, I yeah. love Sam um, needed uh, uh, some restraint uh, and it, just a little bit of. Um, I believe he's absolutely director proof, and I think Favreau could have gotten in there and made Sam work a little bit harder. He got away with it. And maybe that's Hammer. Maybe that's the character. But I felt that uh, Rockwell was doing some affectations in his voice and the way that he talked. He was trying to be funny. It wasn't coming from internal. And Mm. God bless him. I really love him as an actor. I really respect him. And, you know, sometimes it's a big movie. And, oh, we got this huge set and this huge thing, and you can get lost in that. I think that his work in the past has been very intimate and very internal. Um, Well, not counting C5 people rocks, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, look yeah. at Moon. Yeah. I mean, he's, he just thinks and you see it. Yeah. And so when he's going really big like that, as Hammer has to be, um, I, w- I wish I'd seen more Mickey Rourke in that scene. There was mm. a great confrontation scene with Sam Rockwell and Mickey Rourke. And I wished I'd seen more of the Mickey Rourke side of that. John right. Favreau, just the editors, whatever. <laughs> Other than that, I, you know, it's absolutely rip roaring fun time. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy it. I think, I think it might get better on repeat viewings it might be mm-hmm. one of those movies that when you first see it, it just doesn't because the first one really plays so well like it's, it's the origin myth which usually can be really entertaining unless yeah. it's the wolverine movie 
Um, it can be really entertaining. <laughs> uh, like the first Spider-Man movie is my favorite. I know that everybody says Spider-Man Two is like the great one, but the, but having Spider-Man realize his powers and figure out yeah. how things are going to me can be fascinating if it's done right. And it was done with a lot of humor, which I find great too. And I, I, that's why I liked what the first Iron Man was like. Tony kind of coming into the whole suit and then right. figuring it out and like. This was dealing with the fatal flaw, which is the thing that gives him his power, which is very often in hero stories. Joseph right. Campbell will talk about this. The thing that gives you your power is your fatal flaw. It's the thing that's killing, killing you. Him, right. And so this is very you know, purely told as this you know thing that's poisoning his blood. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. And they had a way of, of marking that off with the device that would measure it. Well, then they bring in what Joseph Campbell also talked about, friends, enemies, and allies, the people that are either helping the plot along, they've got the same goal, are they really his ally, are they really his friend? Well, we find the Avengers. Now, are they really his friend? Now, they help him, and they give him this device, this MacGuffin, this this serum that helps stop, the, I'm not going to spoil everything, but can, it's part it's okay. of the hero's journey. Right. Um, you don't, you know, Luke and Leia and Han Solo and Chewie and who's really on whose side and who's helping... Uh, is did Hanso really care about saving you know the, the rebellion? No, he wanted the money. So yeah. just because he's got the same goal does not mean that he's backing our hero. So Iron Man two had a lot of that. It had a lot of uh, you know. Uh, there was a lot of partnerships and uh, people using each other, and that was the one thing I didn't quite understand was the hammer and the um, the weaponizing of stuff and and. There could have been some more development on the bad guys and those motivations. I think. Right, no, that um, makes sense. Yeah, are you are you excited for the Avengers movie? I am, especially with the teases like um, you know, Mohinor at the end of the film. Uh, they, I like what they're going to do with it. I've read some good stuff about taking uh, two time periods and using camera moves and palette coloring, mm. blending them and bringing the past to now. It's it's a way. We really reach when we see a contemporary hero. It's hard to imagine Vikings and gladiators and stuff. Um, so uh, unless you're really watching something like Gladiator, it's hard to go back to those primitive days when a man bashed things around to get things done. Right. We don't We do not do fight or flight. We do, do I call them or not? I don't know. We don't really <laughs> yeah. do that. We stress about a bill, but it's different. And we don't have a way of outletting that in modern society. We you know, get some thrills, watch the movies, but we're not ever running from the tiger. Okay, right. so um, a Thor, I think, is great. It it shows this, you know, real um, uh, kind of supernatural. It's a connection to mythology, um, gods. Uh, everyone loved, you know, Clash of the Titans. I love the original Clash of the Titans. I haven't yep. seen the new Clash. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. Two D like, or not two D? Three D, two D. Honestly, that's like, what I heard. Three D is like a, a, a slap job. They did it like last second. So, and so it's like a seven dollar or five dollar surcharge per ticket. Don't bother. But how did the 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 um, um, Alice in Wonderland? That was the same thing. It was a slap, not a slap job, but it was not shot in three D, and then it was later done in post. Is it because? How did that work? I think for I Alice in Wonderland, that. they kind of they didn't shoot in three D, but they they knew they had plans to to convert it to three D. And so, just the, I think it took to it more naturally too. The design of Alice in Wonderland, do you yeah. know what I mean? But Clash of the Titans was like thirty days out from them opening. They went, we need to make oh, that extra money. Let's okay. do a three D slap job on it, and um, that's why it didn't really. I mean, the movie itself, I. I was kind of okay. It's watchable. Hmm. I don't like. I don't get Sam Worthington. I I've talked about this in the podcast before. Like I think he's okay, but he's just kind of. He's kind of like like our our new Paul Walker to me. Like he's just kind of a planky dude who's just <laughs> like um all right whatever Paul Walker hey what's up um, like that's Sam Worthington to me except he's Australian 
or whatever. But I, I don't get it. And he's in these huge movies now. Like, he's the guy, the main guy in these huge movies, which I think would succeed without him. I don't think it's like, I don't think people went to Avatar because, oh, it's the new Sam Worthington movie. Right. They went to Avatar because it was James Cameron's 3D world. And, and there were and blue people. And there was blue people in it. Um, but that, but I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. There's a theory about projection, audience projection. And when you have, let's say, a hot female lead... You can never have too hot of a male lead because it threatens the male audience members. Right. You have to have somebody that they can challenge in their mind and be smarter than, cuter than, I get I'm shorter, woman. I'm taller, yeah. I can drink more. Whatever it is that they feel, they can out-hero the hero in some element. Otherwise, it's inaccessible to the audience yeah. member. They right. have to be able to jump into the shoes. There are some actors that have gotten criticism, like Kevin Costner, for being, or Michael Caine, being perfect foils to the audience because they don't do a lot. Yeah. They they really allow you to kind of fill in the clay inside, and they don't. They just think it. They're not doing much, and you really allow your thoughts to project into the lead character. Exactly. Yeah. And so perhaps, um, oh man, this is really good, Sam. I am so sorry, but perhaps Paul Walker is too charming and too smart and too glinty of the blue eyes mm-hmm. to to allow somebody geeky like me to go. Yeah, I could get the girl instead of him. But there's something about Sam that is every man. Now we know that his well, roots are, you know, he struggled with homelessness and, you know, lived in his van. And, and he's a little came better than every man. Back Let's to this. Check it well, out. true, but there's something about him that you might go, you see him struggling yeah. with something, and you might go, you know what, I could hack around that. Yeah. And for, for him, maybe it's intellect. Sam, we love you, and I'm sure you're a very, very bright guy. But we're allowing yeah. the audience member, especially these geeks who love Terminator, Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. Avatar, um, we can now kind of crawl into some of these roles a little bit and not feel threatened by you quite so much. It's like Jewel. What I do with Jewel, she's got that weird gray tooth. She used to live in a car. Hey, I could be famous. You know, if yeah. Jewel can do it. I could sing There's my a lot part. of being in bands and writing checks to yourself for $10 million. Yeah. It seems to be a you know common thread. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it's funny. They do, you know, they pull that a lot in articles yeah. I read about Sam Worthington. That, oh, yeah. he, you know, he was homeless or struggled with Love this. Love a story. Yeah. A lot of actors in town that are living out of their car. Right? Or, you know, that, that is true. And everyone yeah. loves a great story like that. Um and he, you know, he's worked a lot. So, is there a lot of exposure for him right now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, does he certainly need romantic comedies and you know love stories and stuff to you know so the audience can yeah. see more of that? Sure. Um, a lot of exposure. Can't they're wait gonna, for the romantic comedies. See, yeah. Um, <laughs> he'll either get exploited more after this or or not. So we'll see. Or get right. back in that car. I think he's a great hero. For, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked him in Terminator Salvation, which I. Was particular to other yeah. people didn't actually saw Terminator. See, that's the one twice thing I have not seen that he was in, and that's where everybody tells me like, "Oh, well, you don't know Sam Worthington, so you've seen Terminator." And I'm like, "All right, fair enough." Just put it, write it down right now, Cole. I'm yeah, there's a humanity himself. scene that actually tops it, yeah. where he is being told who his true self is, and it's the heart of the movie. It? You know that that Christian Bale's not the lead, right? That it is Sam Worthington. He is the lead, and he is the one that you have to really identify with in mm. Terminator Salvation. When he has very little humanity, so great you, you see that, and then about three quarters of the way through, there's a confrontation with Sam Worthington where he is bound up basically and being forced to confront who he who his true self is, and that's a performance that is probably carrying him through all these other pictures. Very possible. That's what I've heard. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm gonna do a slightly clunky transition. Yes. I would like <laughs> to talk a little bit about what might have been my favorite movie when I was a kid, which was Hiding Out. Yes. Um, <laughs> For those of you who don't know this movie, you need to rent it. Uh, it is maybe John Cryer's finest moment. 
Am I, or maybe Hot Shots, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he plays uh, Andrew Moransky, who's a stockbroker who is hiding out from the mob by going back to high school. Natural choice. Uh, where he hangs out uh, with Patrick, played by Keith here. What a um, coincidence. He's right here. So Keith weird. is with us today. Right. Like, so strange. <laughs> um, it was just something about that movie when it came out. I just, I, I think I really like John Cryer from Pretty in Pink because Ducky was like, Ducky's oh. the man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going into it, I was already like stoked. Um, and I don't know. It's like the soundtrack was cool. Like just everything about it to me. And I think uh, for me also is like between Andrew and Patrick, it was like two sides of like the perfect like dude to me. Mm-hmm. Like, like, because Patrick's kind of like geeky and 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 dorky and but you know like he's 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 got a good heart and then Andrew's just more like kind of like, kind of hip and cool and he's able to say what he wants to say because he's going through high school again so he doesn't have the pressure of having to graduate. So the little boy in you is like, I can do this. Well, I, I, I like guess me. I was kind of a lot like Patrick. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I see it as Patrick is being in the stream and not really seeing that he's, you know, he's only feeling awkward. He's only feeling the yeah. lust. Yep. He uh, uh, wants to conform. He, you know, will doesn't want to confront any of the teachers or anything. So he's the exact antithesis to um to john cryer right. who will challenge them and you know he has a different fashion sense and yeah. he's got this business sense and he um is a pedophile doesn't he date he this like 15 yeah. year old girl yeah. and he's yeah. got to be 26 yeah. or something in fairness, in you don't kiss until she's in college yeah, yeah that's, that's, i was this defending this before you came i was like that <laughs> I wasn't is defending. Dirty. i was just saying like you that's were kinda... defending it. it's <laughs> a, but you know she's really smart for her you know her yeah. age she's her smart she's advanced they don't ignore that in the movie either because there's a point where like you uh the detectives have arrived in town yes. because he's getting money out of his ATM, which is like, all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, brings, it brings the detective there. you think that as a stock worker he would have been smart enough. But um, but they're basically <laughs> like, he just had a date with her, and he's kind of on cloud nine, and Patrick's kind of bringing back down to earth. He's like, does statutory rape ring a bell? Like, they literally <laughs> say that. Like, it's not ignored. It's definitely it's just, part like, of it. just like laughed at. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no, it's innocent. We're just roller skating. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do go roller skating. Naked. Just no, kidding. there's no new no, rollers. That's after she goes to college, right? Cool. Maybe the director's cut. <laughs> and I, uh, this is actually funny because uh, Bob Giraldi directed that. Mm-hmm. And I did a, a, a sprint commercial with Steve Young many years ago that Bob directed. And when I found, I didn't know who was directing it when I booked it. You know, it was a commercial. But when I was there on the set and I saw like the, 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 the call sheet or whatever and it said director Bob Giraldi, I was like, oh my God. The guy directed hiding out. Uh, uh. I I don't know. I guess it's because they had a lot to do that day and they were really behind. He was kind of in a cranky mood that day and was kind of hollering at people. And I I chickened out because I was literally going to be like, uh, That's not an atypical day for Bob. No, no, no. (laughs) He's moving it along. He's moving Moving it along. along. We got lunch to eat, people. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get this. That's what he seemed to be like. He does it until he's entertained. He shoots the scene until he laughs and he likes it and he goes, Cut, print, moving on. That's Bob. And he likes it fast and funny. He, yeah. That's really his most direction. It's like, snort another line and do the scene. Uh, so he really liked it really, really fast yeah. and cl- clipping along. And that, um, I'd gotten a lot of notes from my mom. I was like, slow down. You, mm-hmm. you talk way too fast. You chew through these lines. As a kid, I would chew through a lot of yeah. dialogue really fast. She's like, slow down, take your moments. And so here the direction from Bob Girolity was just faster, funnier, faster, funnier. And it was just really spit it out. And yeah. maybe it was the old thing of undercranking when you have a minor character or a minor plot. In the old days, they would undercrank so that they wouldn't waste as much film huh. and it goes by quicker on screen when you run it through the projector. Boom, the guy, the bell hops in and out. Great, we got the story <laughs> element. So I was thinking he just wanted to really compress my scenes from a two, well, three page scene. Down to one and a half pages he needs in and out. <laughs> so it's okay, it works. I like the, um, I like the rapidness and that's okay. The manicness comes with being a 
teenager. Yeah. You've gotten to work with so many amazing people. I've, great directors. Yeah. Uh, great cast. Cousins had half of the greatest people. I in was it. looking today. I was, you know, stalking you as I would want to do. <laughs> and um, it's like, it's staggering. All the projects you've worked on with all these people. I mean, really fortunate. And such fun stuff. Like, do you have a favorite in your head? Oh, I, uh, you know, I really loved as a question. kid working on the shows that I like to watch. So when I got Knight Rider, that was a thrill. Oh, yeah. Because I was reading it in it in effects magazines and stuff. Um, even in Fangoria, they would have a thing on Knight Rider just because right. it's sci-fi or whatever. It fit into that kind of genre. So I knew what the car looked like, what it did, oh, how it had gosh. voice recognition, and it's got turbo boost. And, all, and I knew about the show before it aired. So they're like, oh, and it was the third episode I did. And they go, great. So they shot it. But this is usually a four or five week lead time yeah. on TV. So it hadn't aired yet. And here I am working on Knight Rider oh in gosh. the car. And, you know, that's like ass off was the greatest, nicest, most gracious lead in a series I'd ever worked oh with. Oh, my gosh. Funny, affable, great, witty, absolutely fantastic to work with. Um, and so Knight Rider was a great great uh what about just the 10 of us that, hey uh, you know and then <laughs> from, from my agent was harry gold and his daughter tracy gold was on growing Pains. <gasps> i did a growing me. pains and tracy then gold, I love same you. producer same writers same one stage over and i did is that why uh, there was just so the much was just weeks after that from from it was a spin-off it was yeah. a direct yep. spin-off he like lubbock was on both and yep, so were sure. there a lot of actors pulled from both or because I was no, I was they started was like, a whole new show okay. with the you know nine girls and yeah. Uh, they oh. yeah they started a what whole a new wacky show. show I really loved that show I saw so I saw Kirk, I saw him that. at a, a ninety nine cent store uh-huh. I was getting cleaning supplies or something and I saw uh, him and I and I said oh my god I loved on the you know just the ten of us and I was I guessed it on the show for, <laughs> and he gave me the dirtiest look <laughs> like, like he didn't want to be seen in the ninety nine cent store oh. come on <laughs> come on here. lighten up. I guess. It's 99 cents. Let's enjoy ourselves. Just 99 of us. Something I don't don't understand is like, and I love the fact that you you have the attitude of like, it was a gig. I loved it. Great. There's there's certain people that like, there's certain things they did that they just they won't talk about. They it's an embarrassment to them. Like with John Cusack, Better Off Dead, he won't talk about it. He hates it. Which is dumb, John. Cusack. Which is dumb. Snap. Because it's great. It's great, John Cusack. But we for some reason, he, he he. I think he just thinks of himself as a as a more serious actor, and he feels he thinks of himself movies... in misspelled political rants. Yes. Well, he like because and Savage told me this when when we had a at a sketch fest, yeah. we did a screening of it. That basically, like he when they were shooting it, every, it was great. Everybody was having a great time. Yeah. And then at the first screening of it, like twenty minutes in, like Cusack was kind of fuming and walked out, and then. Uh, Savage walked after him. Was like, "Well, what's what's wrong? What's the deal?" And he's like, yeah, "You made a fool out of me, or whatever." Like, Savage's so like, "Well, comedy. it's all in the script. <laughs> like, it's all right there. Yeah. It's like a totally wacky, goofy movie." And like, I don't understand what he thought he was it makes making. People happy, so that's yeah. The and I think it, he, I think that that just goes further. Like, that because people love it so much, yeah. you probably say to him all the time. Like, yeah. outside of saying anything, it's probably one of the things he yeah. gets a lot. And it's probably validates it further. Like in his mind, like, "Oh, I hate that thing. Yeah. No, no, make it disappear." Dude, give it to me. <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh, we should. I loved Hot Tub Time Machine. I thought that yeah, was great. I, I was haven't seen fun. that great yet. Great fun and uh, a perfect uh, note for John Cusack because he's reliving the plot from Better Off Dead. Yeah. Uh, in essence, you get the bad guys, skier guys mm-hmm. and the slopes and the thing and the time. And, and they really wink to that time. Um, so, he may have accepted it now. <laughs> years That's and years awesome. later, he may go, you know <laughs> what? Like, right. I'm really going to kind of. 
you know, put that on my <laughs> resume again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I look at the sure thing. That was one of the seminal films I for me. Yes. Um, of course, say anything. Say anything. I think was even a little more mature than Sure Thing. Yeah, um, but definitely. Sure Thing is is absolutely great. Huge chunks of dialogue that Cusack, you know, has in Sure Speaking Thing. Speaking of for your monologue day, project, oh my god, yes, you should check this out if you guys haven't. Um, Such a cool thing. That Pete you does this thing. It's a monologue every single day um, from theater, Talk about stamina. from uh, TV, from film, or whatever. And every single day is inspired by the Julia and Julia mm-hmm. thing, right? Um, have you done that monologue from the sure thing in the swimming pool? I, I haven't done the monologue in the swimming pool or the one outside of the uh, trailer uh, when it's raining. Uh, I like that one too. I also love uh, Riboflavin's speech. The pool one's my favorite because that's like a good chunk of that him is. talking while she's swimming trying to convince uh. her why she, he, she should tutor him. Um, I could also do a blend of all the Cassiopeia speeches he's done in every movie that he's been in. Oh, so my gosh. Every single movie. Hey, look up the story. That's Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia. You know, do a mashup. Like, how many movies? <laughs> it's, it's really funny. So he likes his stars. He likes his, um, uh, you know, he does write a lot of his dialogue in all of his films. Um, mm-hmm. You hire John Cusack, you're hiring a co-writer. And so he will uh, put in all of the kind of head stuff. In the movie, yeah, all the kind of thoughts, and and so he's very literal. I think I think that he's very he's probably very well read, mm-hmm. um, but he will write a lot of that stuff, and I think it really makes the movies. That's what you're getting when you hire John. I loved Identity. Wait, oh, I Identity was a great. Film. I thought Identity is cool too. A lot of, for some reason, it got really mixed reviews, but I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have that movie. I was Stop like, well, even movie. after the reveal, it gets cooler because yes. you're then you're back in the situation, but you know the situation, and right. that to me, once they you know kind yeah. of show you where you're at, I think the movie even gets better. And then knowing that and doing a rewatch of the film, it, it, it becomes great. Yeah, it's uh. a cool, it's a cool flick. So we should do this thing. Uh, we do on the podcast. It's, Everyone, it's, take off your tops. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> third button down. <laughs> Boom. Uh, it's called firsts or pops, basically. Like mm. we always ask something about, like, what was the first concert you went to? What was the first R-rated movie you saw in the theater? Or something like that. Uh, so the first that we uh, thought up for this one, uh, since you've done two iconic babysitting movies. And Adventures in Babysitting. Has it been an hour already? Am, done. I, am I done? No, no, no. no. We, we got some You've other got stuff. Just kidding. I'm, just, I, I'm in, dreading whatever is coming next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, do, you, do you have a memory of, of your first babysitter? And if so, um, maybe like any sort of anecdote that you have for that. Or any babysitter, if not your first, like a babysitter you remember growing up. Wow. Uh, tough question because I was really left alone as a child. I was a Lasky child. Oh, no. And, uh, so Podcast just got real. I had, even at 12, I was home alone. Um, I don't remember. Uh, honestly, I oh, never really no. had babysitters. No, no, it's it's true. Did you ever babysit anyone? Um, oh, absolutely. I babysat. Did you do anything mean to them? Um, no, no, no. no <laughs> You're no, like, no, no, no I'm actually no, no, a good no, person, no. Vanessa. Uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, I will tell a story of seeing a babysitter for my little brother. There you go. Uh, at the jet strip down by the airport. So other than that... Um, what? <laughs> well, my friends had taken me out. I was leaving town to go shoot a movie. Yeah. And they dragged me down to a strip club. And I get... And girl walks up and goes, Hey, remember I babysat your little brother? <gasps> you want a private? Oh, oh my gosh. God. And you so were like, that yes. Was, I was like, oh <laughs> my God. So I think that's the best babysitter story. No, that's pretty Ew, good. That's I, a good one. I, I tried to think about it. And I can't really necessarily think of a babysitter. But it reminded me of something I did in school. Uh, I think the pinnacle of my coolness in life was sixth grade. I moved, I, seriously, hear me out. I, I, <laughs> I don't I doubt it. moved from Michigan in, in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in sixth grade, me and two guys from my school started a band in sixth grade, mind you. Awesome. And we were in the talent show, and we had to 
we like I'm built, so grossed out by baby call. <laughs> <laughs> we built up a sketch around uh, the song that we were going to do. So the idea was that we had a babysitter that was kind of mean, and I think it might have been inspired by all the babysitting movies at the time mm-hmm. anyways, mm-hmm. that we like tied up, so then we like kind of had control of like, we're home alone now, <laughs> woo! And uh, then we did a cover of uh, Kenny Loggins' Playing with the Boys. <laughs> and it was such a big hit. This is sixth grade, mind you. I sang. Uh, this guy Adam played drums. My friend John played a little bit of guitar, and the rest of the tracks were pre-recorded. So it was like half live, half not live. Sixth grade. Yucky, okay, sixth grade. Yuck. It was such a big hit that uh, I became vice president of the school. Uh, Adam <laughs> became president. And we would play on the quad at lunch every once in a while. We'd do different songs. We did. A Wait, cover you had a quad in sixth grade? Well, like the yeah, the lunch area, like the square. Well, it's it's like you went campus. to baby school at college. Yes, really. But weird. we would play. We periodically would play. So we we covered um, Ghostbusters. We covered <laughs> old time rock and roll, uh, Faith, which is lyrically totally inappropriate oh. for the age mm-hmm. group. Um, uh, Never gonna give you up by Rick Astley. Oh, love it! That's good stuff. So yeah, it was like the year that we were like on top of the school in a band, on top of the world. And then junior high started the next year, and it was like you know, welcome to the sun, right. yeah, <laughs> so to speak. We in sixth grade, we that was the first. A year that the students beat the teachers in the <gasps> volleyball. We were Malibu, Whoa. so a bunch of spoil rotten the brats boo. in Malibu. Nice. And boo. the boo. Mm-hmm. And uh, we beat the teachers that year. Our team. We were oh, very yeah. proud of ourselves. You and should felt be. very adult at sixth grade. Yeah, I, I can only And imagine. then we went over to junior high and it was all miserable. <laughs> this sucks, David. <laughs> I don't really have a babysitter story. I was kind of the opposite of a latchkey kid. I was like a mom latched on to me kid. So I was never left home alone, which is like my greatest dream to be like... The cool kid got to watch TV Let's at go 8 o'clock. the baking chocolate. <laughs> and stuff. <Yeah>. But one time my mom thought my sister was old enough to watch me. She's five years older than me. And she was. And I got to eat a, t- a TV tray dinner. We always had home-cooked meals, which was, again, like, what a bummer. I only wanted, like, stuff you could microwave. I was really excited about things in the microwave. And um, my sister took the brownie out of my microwave dinner. Son Can you fuck. handle this story? It was my hard. big night, guys. I, I'll be honest with you. It really I, ruined I it for you. It stuck with you, and you yeah. seem traumatized now. I can't uh, handle the story, Vanessa. I'm sorry. We can uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of that, well, let's let's knock these questions okay. out, and then we have some time left over. We'll talk about some other things. Uh, all right. So uh, I've got five oh, yeah. questions for you that are based on your own career, which you've got a ton of credits. So you uh, have to really hone them down. I did. Did a little research. Uh, whittle, so here we whittle. go. Okay. Uh, question one. Am I expecting to answer cheat. these fast or anything? Yes. Okay. Uh, you can take your time. No, don't take but, your time. Uh, <laughs> you provided the voice of young Todd the Fox Aww. in the 1981 animated Disney classic The Fox and the Hound. Uh, who voiced your counterpart, the young copper the hound dog? You know, that's easy. That would be Corey Feldman. That Woo-hoo! would be Corey Feldman. <laughs> what a great movie. Oh, uh, Mickey sad. Rooney was the voice of adult Todd and Kurt Russell, adult copper. Sandy Duncan was also in the cast, Pat Buttram and Pearl Bailey. Yeah, Pearl Bailey. Mm-hmm. I, that's so amazing. I oh. love Pat Buttram. Why he's the, he always does that <laughs> one, right? Yeah, yeah, he was the older dog. Yeah, he's always <laughs> Sheriff, <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham <laughs> in the Robin Hood movies. Oh, Anything that sounds Buttram. like it could come out of a Basset Hound is going to be good. the farmer, the old guy that had the dogs, too, was another, Eddie Albert. Eddie Albert, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was a great. I mean, let's open a movie with killing an animal yep. and the mother. It was like very Bambi esque. Uh, I cry every single time I watch The Fox and the Hound. It's so I cry. Sad. We'll always be friends forever. I just I bought. I taste and it's saltines a, and ginger ale just because like I would watch it every time I was sick. Like just talking oh, about no. it. Like, oh. <laughs> I definitely traumatized some people. It's oh I got kids. I'm gonna pop that in for them. <laughs> <laughs> great great Disney again. film on race relations. Yeah. It really is. It's a good. It's a good eat. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All right, here we go. Question two. Mm-hmm. You played Nick McNulty in the 1982 TV film The Kid with the Broken Halo. Yes, I did. Starring Gary Coleman wow. as an angel helping people out on Earth. Who played Coleman's grumpy guide on Earth, Blake? Wow, that would have to be Robert Guillaume, otherwise known as Benson. You got that. And also in the stage production of The Talented Tenth. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and Corey Feldman's also in that, too. Corey Feldman is also yeah. in that. Yep. Feldman there's a the lot house. of great people there. Um, uh, that, that's a, there's a lot of bit parts in that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of bit parts. I remember actually watching that a lot when I was a kid because they would just air it a lot on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they even made an animated version of The Kid with the Broken Halo uh, where Andy... Andy Dufresne and was a little and it was an animated version of Gary Coleman I think Whoa. they did six episodes I, I look it up uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I always make a it's list very possible <laughs> uh, alright question three you played Brad Anderson in the 1987 Chris Columbus comedy Adventures in Babysitting which we've established uh, <laughs> at the college party some drunk frat guys asked Chris to sign their playboy because they think she is Shailene a playmate from which month Nippy. Oh, that's the April version of uh, wait. Then March. March. I'm gonna say March. March. Good March choice. is Playboy. Good March. Choice. Wow, Boom. that was close. Yeah, you almost okay. really screwed. Well, it up. you know, they released the March version in April. So, okay, so, so, so fair. Fair, fair enough. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Sneaky guy. Three for three. Ooh, tough. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I love Brad Whitford in that movie. Oh, he's so he's great. so slimy in the yeah, best way. Like, no, <laughs> contagious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Or uh, we have girls like you come along once in a lifetime. He's yucky. So yuck. <laughs> Don't bother half pint. Her legs are locked together at the knees. He's so great at that. So he's good. So slimy. He's so <laughs> slimy. And I got so to work with um, uh, Jane Kazmierczyk from uh, uh, um, uh, I did a thing called Spooner with Robert Ewing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And right, right. Uh, so Malcolm in the Middle Mom. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, Brad Woodford's wife. And, yep. uh, so weird. Got to both of them. Itty bitty baby world. Totally. Mm. Yep. Yep, yep. Next question. Question Let's four. See. You play Patrick Marinsky in the John Cryer Stockbroker Heist from the Mob in High School film Hiding Out. Patrick is obsessed with getting his driver's license, mm-hmm. but failed after almost killing his instructor and driving a brand new Dodge into what? A van full of nuns. Yep. Boom! You there got you go. this. Not just a car full of nuns, That's but a whole a van, van full, full of nuns. nuns. You, yeah. Mr. Lessig. Was I'm really Lessig. impressed. Uh, All over! Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that was a great uh, That was a great actor that played Mr. Lessig. And he he's great. a lot of Baltimore yeah. movies and stuff. And, he's really funny. Yeah. Like, I like I like a lot of the bit parts in that movie too. John Spencer is in that. Oh, and who's the uh, female teacher? The the she's oh, just fantastic. She's so good. Oh, she's so God. evil. You, yeah. I'll tell you what the truth is. That's right. That's so great. Yeah. You're not old enough. <laughs> That's what she constantly says. Yes. To remember, Nixon was a hero. That's right. <laughs> so good. All right, you're four for four. Here's question five. Okay. My final question. Uh, you put Kenny and Steven, the Mighty Duck Herricks, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Mm-hmm. In the opening title sequence, what Simpsons alum voices the animated babysitter? That would be Castellaneta. It is. Boom. And Castellaneta. Okay. So those were easy. But now, you're in my hands, Uh-oh. Keith Coogan. Okay. I, I will sharpen it up here. Let's go. These, These are, are my hard hitters. Okay, okay. 
Who's the skinniest celebrity you've ever met? You tell me in beans. Well, you just show me with your hands how big around they are, and then I'll put it oh, in. Oh, that's beans. easy. I did an ecological fair at UCLA. Uh huh. And uh, what's the 90211 girl? The what's Jenny, with the, the blonde one? Jenny, Jenny Garver? She's like two cents. I mean, ridiculously wrong. Two cents She's equals like two lima beans. seven and wrong. That was the skinniest person I think I've ever okay. seen in my life. Wow. Good answer. I'm glad that you didn't stop. I mean, I can vociferously say I'm adamant that that is it. Love it. Period. Would you like a food-based nickname? If so, what? Burger? Whole wheat? Anything like that? A food, but oh, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a really I good question. Be a bacon cheeseburger, okay? Basically, bacon yeah. cheeseburger, yeah. easy. <laughs> if what is the real life thing you would most like there to be an app for? So, there's not an app for that, but if it, you could have an app for that, what would it be? A real life thing for apps, like if you want, you hate making the bed, the but then there would be no, it's a really good question. <laughs> My questions are really well thought. Well, this is Los Angeles, so yeah. it would have to be parking. I would oh, have perfect. To have a parking There's an app, app for that. Yep, that Great. Is an app for perfect that. sense. Where is my parking karma at now? I'm five <laughs> minutes away. Am I going to get movie parking, which is the spot right in front of wherever you're going? Oh. And oftentimes, if you really picture it, if you really believe yes. and you use the power of positive mm-hmm. thinking and the law of attraction, you can get movie mm-hmm. parking like 90% of the time. I'm kind of bad at it because I always screw myself over. Because I'm like, it's never going to happen. Oh, there you go. Oh, you projected yep. that and you manifested that you're parking two and a half blocks roof, away. Yeah, in a one-hour And we're zone. actually, we forgot to say where we're broadcasting from oh, today. Yeah. We always broadcast from a special place. Like yeah. We've been Mount Olympus. Yeah. We've been the Disney Vault. Uh, we are broadcasting from uh, a parking spot on the street in Los Angeles. It's it's really quiet today. It really is. We've really lucked out. We were amazing. We found the spot. Yeah. We found it. My allergies would normally go on <laughs> off if there was any wind, but it is dead still today. <laughs> Lucky can't us. even hear the still. traffic. It's nice. Yep, yep. Okay, which side of the trenches are you on in the kitty cat versus puppy dog war? I'm on the puppy dog side. Amen, brother. Sorry. Sorry, Cole. <laughs> cats. What is it? Cats don't have family. They have staff. Cats don't have hearts. <laughs> yeah, cats don't have hearts. Cats are evil. Yeah, so really Necromancers. Cats a bad rep, okay? Cats are fantastic. <laughs> okay. And my last question, which is the most difficult mm-hmm. by far. Would you rather be bald and grow only a horn of hair from where a unicorn sprouts its horn? So that hair is long and luminous, but it's only from your forehead. A ponytail basically out of your forehead, and you can't cut it. Or... Look totally normal, except for you have a tattoo on your face that reads Booger Monster. Oh, face tattoos make me horny. So that's got to be the face tattoo. Booger, Booger Monster, Monster for Oh, mine. yeah. No, the hair is an issue, so don't mess with the hair. But face tattoos, no problem. We got some Derma Blend. We can cover that right up. Oh, nice. no, you're not allowed to cover it up. Sorry. I'm still face tattoo. Me too. That's oh, yeah. definitely oh, yeah. what I would pick. Maybe like I... a dragon or a Sobe. Like, you know. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Tribal tent. <laughs> Tribal booger monster. <laughs> so, uh, I bef- like what bef- I hear. Before we go, um, we didn't really talk about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead at all. And did. is it true that you read for a different role? I did. Something? I read for the clown dog boy. And so uh, it was, I had just done, you know, they mentioned the babysitting and I was like, oh, in love with the babysitter mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I'm like, I, what about this 15 year old brother that, and my agent said, no, 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 you're too old for that. <sighs> so I had coincidentally, uh, I was doing, I had done Book of Love with Chris Young mm-hmm. and Chris and I had were become really good friends and we had been shooting uh, stoner cooking shows, these Bob and Dave or Doug and Bob, I forget what we yeah. called them, but we were doing kind of a Bob and Doug McKenzie, but stoner Hesher with the, we went and got wigs at like Burbank makeup. We had torn jeans. Oh I had the skull gosh. vest and we were doing cooking with, Hey dude, like boil water. Right. 
So a week after we started this sketch, I get the call for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead for the other one. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go in as Kenny. So I actually, I go in for the Josh Charles role mm-hmm. and I read for, you know, the guy, oh, yeah. swell, whatever. And then I, can I show you guys something? Can I be back in a minute? And I went into my car and I changed into the wig and I put the things on and I came back upstairs and they changed over to the Heshers and there was Mike Coppola. There was a, all the guys that were actually cast as Lizard and Hellhound oh and gosh. the Friends and they all really have long hair. So here I am wearing this wig. I put the baseball cap on. It kind of looks, yeah. you know. And I kicked the door in. All right. Who's in charge here? Red form. Red is Kenny. Oh they said, Pete, gosh. take off the wig. Take off the hat. I took it off and the thing. Producers were like, oh. And I got it. I got Don't Tell Mom the Baby. That is so cool. I love that story. That is chutzpah that you had. I I did. I really, uh, I had no brains at the time. (laughs) I was absolutely full of myself. And I really pulled a cat woman, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So. Keith Coogan pulls a cat woman. You got to try that. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, my mom, at one point we hopped a studio wall to get on the lot. We'd heard about a call. I couldn't get an audition. She's like, well, let's, we're just going. So it was KTTV. They've torn it down, but the, the studio used to be right to Gower. Um, we, uh, hopped the, popped the fence, found audition, signed in, went in and read, and I got it. That is amazing. And then was fired. Oh and no! Was paid for the whole show. Yeah, they oh. they, they had uh, first oh, they not had because of that. no first they okay. had F one kid. <laughs> it was going to be Scotty Forces show. <laughs> then they fired him and they brought me in. Then they fired me and they took me to Pulis, um, uh, Punky Brewster's brother. Oh. So it was just this rotating thing yeah. of kids and uh, uh, but that was I wouldn't have even been involved if we hadn't hopped the studio a lot. So sometimes you got to do that. Have faith, kids. Hop the fence sometimes. That's right. Um, That's my well, thank really you powerful so much for thank being on the Thank you. This is game. so amazing. Thank um, you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's fun to talk to you. Your monologue a day project you can find on your blog, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, hollywoodkids.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can just type in Google monologue a day project or go to YouTube and yep. type in monologue a day project. Or... And you're Keith Coogan on Twitter. Uh-huh. And you I, have good tweets. I tweet as much as I can. Yeah. I links, this, that. Yeah, I'll really tweet fun with pictures, stuff. you know. Right. And you can follow me and Vanessa on Twitter if you haven't, at Colstrad and at Vanessa Raglan. Yeah. Woo-woo. And the podcast at PMC Podcast. And actually, here's a little bit of an announcement. Um, we don't really have the exact date yet, but we will be doing this live. In Aspen. In Aspen at the Rooftop Comedy Festival. So if you live in Colorado. Get um, ready. If you're our one listener in the Colorado <laughs> area. I don't have a passport. I can't get to Aspen. I don't know. We'll be doing that in uh, the first or second week in June, I think. Yep. So uh, details to come on that. Uh, Keith, thanks so much. This has been a real thrill. Yes, it has. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming on and uh, follow us on Twitter and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. The podcast is done. (laughs) No, he's here. (laughs) Kenny. (laughs) Bye. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.